Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. At First Baptist, we exist to love God, love people, and make disciples. We hope you find yourselves blessed, encouraged, and challenged by this week's message. For all things First Baptist, how you can get involved, or for more information, you can follow us on social media, YouTube, or visit us at fbcrockhill.org. Brothers and sisters, before I get into the message today, I thought it would be good if we take a moment and and pray for all that's going on in the Middle East. As most of you know, yesterday Hamas launched an, an, uh, an attack on the nation of Israel, and they are at war. Hundreds of people have been killed. Many, many more have been injured and several taken hostage. And the, the reality is that more will die, more will be injured, and there's a lot of suffering taking place there now and it will take place. So, so let's pray because that's been a, you know, that's a troubled part of the world. It's been troubled for a long, long time. So let's pray to the Lord. Father, we thank you for your love and your goodness. And we come together today to pray for people who are hurting in a place where many of the things we read about in the Bible actually took place. Conflict and tension that's been going on for a long, long time, and to us as human beings it can seem hopeless. But with you there is hope. And all of us join our hearts in praying for the peace and strength needed by those who've already lost loved ones. Those who are afraid because they are hostage right now, reveal yourself to them. For those who are in hospitals and injured, provide all that's needed to care for them. And we pray, Father, for supernatural intervention to protect those who are innocent, to protect the nation of Israel, to bring peace to that part of the world. It's our desire, Father, our prayer that through all this chaos that the day will come when the shalom of heaven will prevail in that place. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, go ahead and open your Bible with me, please, to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 6. Jeremiah 6, we are wrapping up this teaching series from Jeremiah today. This is the last uh, uh, sermon. And I want to talk about how important it is for us to have a, a passion for God's Word, a desire to uh, engage with God's Word and allow it to transform us and make us more like Christ. I think all of us understand how important commitment and passion are if you're going to be good, if you're going to be excellent at anything. Earlier this week, <clears throat> excuse me, earlier this week, the, um, the U.S. women's gymnastic team won another world championship. I think it's the seventh consecutive they've won, which is a, a record. And the star of the U.S. women's gymnastic is Simone Biles, who's the most decorated gymnast in history, men or women. She's won, I believe it's 34 world and Olympic medals, the greatest ever. But to, just to help you understand how dedicated she is, how passionate, how committed a few years ago when she was 21 years old, I believe it was in 2018, the evening before the World Gymnastics Championship, she was in her hotel room and started to hurt. I mean, she started really hurting, and it just got worse and worse, and it got to the point that she was literally crawling on the floor in pain. She was taken to the ER where they did a scan and discovered she had a, a, a kidney stone. Now, how many in this room have ever had a kidney stone? 
I have my one. I want no more. I woke up early that morning. And I felt this unusual pain. I said, this isn't normal. And it just gradually got worse and worse. I got out of bed, took a quick shower, and went to the urgent care. I got there about 10 minutes before the urgent care opened, and I was on my knees and hands on the concrete, holding to the front door saying, please open this and give me a shot. I wanted some relief. I mean, now none of you ladies are just laughing at me, aren't you moms? But it was bad. And then that doctor told me it's so small, I probably wouldn't even see it if I passed it. I thought if something that small can hurt that bad, I will never give birth to an eight-pound baby. (laughs) Simone Biles has a kidney stone. Competition starts the next day for the world championships. She refuses to take any pain medication. Because they do drug testing on these athletes, and even pain meds and so on that are legal may have an ingredient that would disqualify her from the competition, and she did not want to risk that, so she said no to any pain medicine. The next day, Simone Biles competed in the World Gymnastics Championship, and she had the highest score in three of the four events or rotations that women compete in. Think about that. Now, that's dedication. That's passion. That's desire. What's the level of your commitment, dedication? The level of your desire, of your passion to to be close to Jesus Christ, to engage with his word so you can know him better and become like him. How, How do you invest? I mean, how committed are you? How passionate are you? Jeremiah was passionate when it came to the word of God. The first thing I want you to see in chapter 6 is that he had this inner burning desire, this inner burning passion to know God and what he says, but to also share, to share with others the message of God, the word of God. Let's look at some selected verses in Jeremiah chapter 6, starting at verse 10. Jeremiah says, To whom? Shall I speak and give warning, warning about the impending judgment of God on the nation for their sin, that they may hear? Behold, their ears are closed and they cannot listen. You ever invited someone to church, tried to tell someone about Jesus, and you felt like you were talking to a brick wall? Have you ever been the brick wall? Have there been moments when God was trying to speak to you and you said, Nope, I don't want to hear that? Is it possible that you don't engage with Scripture because you don't want God changing you, confronting you, teaching you, growing you? Is it possible you're the brick wall when it comes to the Word of God? He goes on in verse 10 to say, Behold, the Word of the Lord has become a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. Do you you have more delight in reading sports? More delight in reading fiction? More delight in watching movies? 
more delight in cable news, more delight in listening to your favorite podcast or reading your favorite author than you do in God's Word. A lot of us in the church are being discipled by everything except God's Word, even though we come to church all the time. He goes on in verse 11 to say, But I am full of the wrath of the Lord, meaning that much, not all, but a lot of Jeremiah's messages we've seen the last three weeks and in our Bible reading plan was as if, if Israel, if, if the nation does not repent, if the people don't repent, repent of their idolatry and their, remember that big word, syncretism? Can you say that again, syncretism? All right, blending of different philosophies, different religions, different belief systems to create whatever you want to believe. They would worship the God of Israel, but they'd worship all these other religions and they blended all that. There was sexual immorality, um, corruption in the court system, economic disparities, uh, corruption. And God says, if you don't repent and change, I'm going to judge the nation. And that's what Jeremiah means when he said, I'm full of the wrath of God. My, my preaching is, if you don't repent, it's going to get bad. I'm weary with holding it in. Sometimes he says, I wish I could preach a positive message like the preachers on TV who smile all the time and never say anything about sin. But the truth is, he said, what I've got in me is this wrath, this this message of judgment from God that the people need to know. And he says, I'm weary with holding it in. Pour it out. Pour it out. Keeping the truth from people doesn't help anybody. They may not listen to the truth. They may not want to hear the truth. But just telling them what they want to hear doesn't do them any good. So pour it out. He said, I can't keep it in. I can't be silent. Drop down to verse 14. Talking about the false prophets in the country, the false teachers. He said, they have healed the brokenness of my people superficially, saying, peace, peace, but there is no peace. These false preachers would say, oh, Babylon's not going to attack. God will not allow our country to fall. Jerusalem will never be conquered. The temple won't be burned. Everything Jeremiah is saying is not true. God would never let that happen. Peace, peace, everything's going to be okay. And they would temporarily heal the fears of the people with things that were not true. These false prophets told the people what the people wanted to hear. And that's our culture today. Create a philosophy, create a belief system, create a truth that just tells everybody what they want to hear. It's like we're sticking our head in the sand and denying reality that's right in front of us, staring us in the face. False prophets, false teachers, false influencers. That's the big thing today, isn't it? Influencers. Verse 15, were they ashamed because of their abomination they had done, their sin? Were they ashamed? They they were not even ashamed at all. They did not even know how to blush. Boy, you talk about a picture of modern America. Nothing embarrasses us anymore. But it's okay.
And therefore they shall fall among those who fall at the time that I punish them. They shall be cast down, says the Lord. He says, judgment's coming. The Bible makes it really clear that sin will find you out. Eventually, eventually judgment comes. You can deny it till you're blue in the face. You can, you can create a philosophy that covers whatever sin you want to be guilty of. But sooner or later, truth wins. And sin creates suffering and pain. God's Word. Jeremiah said, and he, he lived in a time when the culture was far from God, even though it was a religious place. He said, I know God's Word. I can't keep it to myself. What about you? You sharing God's Word? One more verse, chapter 20. Jeremiah chapter 20. He, we, we looked at some verses in this chapter last Sunday when we examined Jeremiah's prayer when he was just pouring out his heart and his frustrations to God. But one verse we did not look at in chapter 20 was verse 9. Jeremiah's talking to God and he says, But if I say I will not remember him, God, I'm not going to pay attention to you anymore. Or speak any more in his name. I'm not going to tell anybody about you. I'm not going to share your word. He says, if I make up my mind, I just decide, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to talk about God anymore. Then in my heart, it becomes like a burning fire. Shut up in my bones, and I am weary of holding it in. I cannot endure it. He said, this word of God, this truth of God, this message of God is like a fire on, in, on the inside of me, and I can't keep it in. I have to pour it out. I have to let it out. I have to live by the truth of God, and I have to share the truth of God. You, you cannot put out of you, pour out of you, to help others what is not in you. You cannot share with others what you do not have. And if you want to be able to pour out of you the message of God, the word of God to help people, it's got to be in you first. When I became a follower of Jesus as a teenager, and I've, I've said this previously, I felt like a sponge. I was 15, 16 years old, and I felt like a sponge. You know how a sponge will soak up water? That's how I felt when it came to the Bible. I mean, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, didn't attend church as a kid. And when I became a believer and started reading the Bible, wow, I just started soaking up all this, all this truth. I was looking at it last night. I have, uh, I have my mom's Bible. It's the only Bible that was in our house when I was a kid. Inexpensive, no study notes, no red letters, just a very inexpensive, cheap Bible. You get the picture? It's one we had. And so when I became a believer, I started reading that, and I would underline Bible verses. And in the back of that Bible, I was looking at them last night. Every time God would show me something, teach me something in the Word as a new believer, I would write a statement in the back of that Bible and then put the, the reference so I could go back and look at that verse. And I filled all the blank pages up in her Bible, and then I started putting other pages in there and taping them so I could put more notes. I was a sponge. I've described it before. It was like... It's like somebody took blinders off 
off my face and I saw the world differently, saw life differently than I'd ever seen it before, all because of God's word. And I want to give you a little insight into why I talk so much about scripture and and, and you engaging God's word in our Bible reading plan in D group and all that. I'm 65 years old. I've been a pastor of a local church since I was 19. So that's a, that's a long time. And God, I've learned that God can use almost anything. But over the years, there was this growing burden, this growing conviction that our church and most churches were really not doing as good a job as we needed to at growing disciples. Now, we did the things churches, Baptist churches traditionally do. We'd have classes on Sunday night and Wednesday night, and they'd be about this topic and that topic, and people would sign up and come, and God used those, and there were people who grew through that. But but nothing nothing like I wanted or I believed most of us wanted. We'd have a class, and might start with 30 people, and it'd be a six-week class, a 10-week class, whatever, and, and halfway through, that 30 would be 15. And I got burdened because in some of those classes, what I started learning was that there are men and women who love God, and they're active in church, they're faithful, they're dedicated, but they, they have been that way 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, and they still struggle to read the Bible, understand it, and get anything out of it. And that broke my heart. And I realized, you know, we're, we're doing a good job of reading a lot of books about the Bible instead of actually reading the Bible. Good books, good books, good books that God has used. And I still have a lot of books and read books. God uses them. So I'm not saying don't read Christian books. But we read these books on some topic, some religious topic. And we'd look up isolated Bible verses. And people would learn a few things and it was good. But people were not learning how to read the Bible. And you know, we historically have always believed in what we call the priesthood of all believers. Meaning that if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a priest to God. Which means he can speak to you and you can speak for him. But I discovered that most church members were scared to death of the Bible or if they tried to read it after a few days, they got discouraged and quit because they couldn't get it. And that's some of you listening to me right now, isn't it? I want you to know you're not alone. You're not alone. And as a pastor, that really started working on me. I said, there has to be a more effective way. I'm not, listen, I'm not saying that other ways don't work and, and that what other churches do, there's not good in it. I'm not saying that, but I knew there had to be something better, more effective. So in 2018, our staff, we, we were, I don't know, Greensboro, Raleigh, somewhere up through there at a, at a conference and you know one of those where, where you have the large sessions, everybody's in one room with a keynote speaker, and then you have breakout sessions. It's one of those kind of conferences. And I was looking at the list of breakout sessions, and I, and I saw this pastor who was speaking. I didn't know who he was, never heard of him. Uh, his minister, I didn't know what it was, but I said, that sounds interesting. I'm going to go check that out. And I spent an hour, 
And then afterward, talked to him. It was Robbie Gallaty, who um, really developed, with the help of others, developed what has become our D group ministry and Bible reading plan. And I can remember sitting in that room listening, and, and I thought to myself, it just was crystal clear to me, that's it, that's it, that's the answer. And afterward, I was out in the lobby, got our staff together, and told them what I'd been to. And I said, listen, there's no discussion, no debate, no vote. This is what we're doing. Get on board. Came back, and in 2019, Steve Polk and I piloted some groups so we could learn. Made some minor tweaks. Rolled it out in 2020, and today we have more than 300 adults every week meeting in D groups to discuss the Word of God, and the only curriculum is the Word of God. And I'm seeing men and women who've been in church a long time, some of them pretty faithful, some of them kind of quasi faithful, but they're in groups. And all of a sudden, the Bible's starting to make sense. They're getting it. They're getting it. And they're changing. And they're growing. You see, part of the vision God put on my heart was this. That you, now hear me, that you, every man and woman in this church, that every believer in this church be able to spiritually feed himself or herself. That you know how to pick up the Word of God on Tuesday morning or Thursday night and feed yourself spiritually. Because if you always need a preacher, you always need a teacher, you always need a book, you always need a video, always need a podcast to be fed, you never learn how to feed yourself. Can you imagine a 10-year-old kid who still needs mom or dad to feed them every meal? And that's what too many church people are. Can't feed themselves. And when you can't feed yourself, there's a limitation to your strength. To your maturity spiritually and otherwise. And by the way, when you cannot feed yourself, you cannot feed anyone else. As I said, you can't give what you don't have. You can't pour out what you've not put in. You can't feed others. What's that old saying, teach a man to fish? Instead of just giving him fish? I believe, listen, I have so much confidence in God's people. I know some people don't, but I do. I believe in God's people that there is inside them great desire to be great men and women of God. And I believe that those who know Jesus as mom and dad, you want your kids growing up to love Jesus. And you want to invest in them. And you want to disciple them. But I saw over the years so many moms and dads who were great struggle to have Bible-based spiritual conversations with their kids because there was nothing inside them to give out other than some traditional platitudes. And I really believe, listen, I really believe that most of God's people want to be witnesses. Your relatives and co-workers and neighbors and classmates who don't know Jesus, you want them to know Jesus and you want to share the gospel with them, but you struggle to say anything. And you feel bad about it. 
And what I'm learning is that as you are feasting on the Word of God, more and more church members, more and more believers are having Bible-based conversations with people because guess what? You've got something in you to give them now. And you're able to speak out of the overflow rather than just two or three things maybe you memorized along the way. I know in my own life when I'm feasting on the Word of God, I'm healthier and I'm happier and I'm more faithful. And when I'm not, I'm not. (laughs) That's true for all of us. And let me just say, the purpose of what we do is not Bible study. Let that sink in. The purpose of what we do is not Bible study. Do we study the Bible? Absolutely. Bible study is a tool. It's a mechanism. It's not the purpose. The purpose is to engage with God's Word. And and the, the, the Bible says that God's Word is living and powerful and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing or dividing asunder to the deepest parts of your being. God's Word is active and alive. And our purpose is to engage with God's Word so, in, so we, we can meet Jesus in it. And as we encounter Jesus, guess what? We change. We become more like Him. We grow. We see the world differently. Yes, we're going to study the Bible, but our mission, our purpose, our purpose is not Bible study. Because if all you're doing is studying to learn, that doesn't mean you're changing any at all necessarily. We want more than knowledge. We want a heart that is warm toward Jesus. A life that reflects Jesus. A mouth that speaks for Jesus and engaging his word. Now, I know not all of you will be in D groups, but all of you can do the Bible reading plan with us. And that's the reason we made it available to everybody. So even though we have 300 adults and we have students who are doing D groups, we have even hundreds more who are reading the Bible with us in the reading plan just so they can meet Jesus and grow. And I thank God for everybody who is engaged at whatever level you're engaged. It's one of the reasons I invest the time in recording those daily devotions and I love doing that for you I'm having fun I'm having fun and I got to tell you when I see when I see men and women who for years have struggled spiritually when I see them growing and I see them changing There's nothing more fun than that. I love that. And that's what I want for you. I'm sharing this with you today. Because I told you Jeremiah is my favorite prophet. A lot of reasons. But the word of God was a fire in his bones that had to get out. And brothers and sisters, that's how we do God's work.
Well, and I'm, I'm preaching about a fifth of the sermon, so. I mean, God, God's word just, it, it just does something. It changes. As I, I was telling the earlier services, mom, my mom, she's in, in the hospital again, so I appreciate your prayers. Um, I did get a text from a sister a few minutes ago that she, she's no longer having the, the A-field. Her heart's in rhythm. But she's got several other issues. She's 86 years old, dementia. She knows the immediate family, but you don't really have a conversation because she's on like a 90-second loop. And a few weeks ago, she, you know, she was in, put in a, in a facility, a nursing home. And the nurses, a little whiteboard. And to help her, you know, adjust and get orientated, they, your name is Doris Hogg. And it's Tuesday or it's Wednesday, whatever the day of the week was. And uh, you are at Letcher Manor Nursing Home. And what we noticed was mom really got irritated every time she looked at that and saw she was in Letcher Manor Nursing Home. She'd get mad. And so the other day my sister erased all of that. And she wrote on it, Jesus loves you. And the, the, the nursing staff said, your mom became a different person after that. <laughs> See, when, you, when God's truth gets in you, when his, when his message gets in you, You're either going to change or you're going to stop reading it. Now, you may keep coming to church because you care some. But you, you, you want to keep God like this a little bit. So you quit reading. Quit reading. So what is your level of engagement with the Word of God, your passion for God's word. You, you want to think like a disciple? His word. Because there's all these voices out there trying to get you to think like anything but a disciple. All these world views. Everybody ha- you know, not everybody, not everybody has a religion, but everybody has a world view. World view is how do you see life? How do you see the world? How do you see truth? How do you see morality? And we operate out of that worldview. As a follower of Jesus, your worldview needs to come from, from, from God's word, from God's presence in your life. Too many of you younger people, your worldview comes from your friends and YouTube and influencers and our culture. That says, is there absolute truth? No, truth is whatever is true for you. Morality, there's no, you know, when it comes to right and wrong, right and wrong, whatever is right or wrong for you is, is right or wrong for you, but it might be different for somebody else because there's no absolute truth. That's the culture. But God says, no, there are some things that are true and some things that are not, some things that are right and some things that are not. There are absolutes. Next Sunday morning, Frank Tarek, who's an incredible speaker, is going to be here and he's going to talk about it exists. Does truth exist next Sunday morning? Some of you older people, your worldview is 
shaped too much by politics and cable news and not enough by the word of God and yes I said it because it's true it's true what's your level of engagement with God's word what's your passion to be like Christ what is your desire to to be obedient and, and to grow and to be holy and to be faithful what, what, you, know, you know, Simone Biles, that great gymnast, I, I would imagine there are days she doesn't feel like going to practice. <laughs> but she goes. And will there be days you don't feel like going to church? Will there be days you don't feel like picking up the Bible and reading? Will there be days you don't feel like going to your D group? I'm just going to take a break this week. Yeah, you're going to have them. But guess what? If you want to keep growing, you go. You read, you don't quit. What's your passion for Jesus? Your passion for the things of Jesus? Your passion for the word of Jesus?